High school today is not anything close to the generation of their parents. Cake parties, a joint, then home. Yeah, the sex was there. These are the hormone years. This will always be. Some graduated, some didn't. Many went to college. Most went to the trades or a factory. A career was one of well, one or two jobs in a lifetime, and usually close to the place of their birth. Try to get that pension. Post-Vietnam, 1980, it had its turmoil. And then with Iran, various hot spots, and the waning years of the East Bloc Cold War. A wall-protected split Berlin, lined with razor wire, a machine gun, and it was meant to kill. But there was no draft, and the generation of late boomers focused on socialization, uncomplicated sports, uh, think no doping, and then a family soon. It's true, interest rates sucked, but that was getting better too. This generation knew how to play. They knew how to have interactive fun. Gorbachev and Kamini, they feared no one. Until Reagan. Iran released the hostages as Reagan took office. The Eagles, Chicago, Three Dog Night. We heard it through speakers powered by a prized amplifier and a turntable. A turntable. Your status rode on that quality turntable and its needle. Yes, we cared about the needle, but we cared about the album collection. Your music did not have legs, and the speakers allowed you to experience music with others. And eating a gut bomb from the, from the pizza factory, uh, that was soon to be Domino's. Calculators were being normalized over slide rulers, and homeschooling was called truancy. HIV, a disease that would ravage the world, was identified with Haitians as one of four risk factors and was showing up randomly, first in the Northeast, but it was spreading. Why were these people first manifesting with a bizarre pneumonia and an obscure cancer? Pneumococcal, sarcosis, respectively. It was hitting gay males hard, when being gay was thought to be a psychiatric problem in origin, but it could be cured. At least thought by some, it was just the ignorance of the age, usually without ill intent, usually. You know, so it was. It was a different time. Where's the meth? What's that? Heroin, it's a big city, back alley drug. Losers, they found a high, it was often cheap, and some die, most lives are wrecked. Cocaine, it's here, but Studio 54 is miles away from most people in thought and reality. Disco is dead. A great movie, nominated for an Academy Award, celebrated youth, healthy hope, exuberance, and achieving the impossible with discovery of class unity, peace, and hope. There is physical and emotional pain in the story, but no pills, no alcohol. Uh, 
Sexual innuendos, of course. Timeless. Except when Dad, played by Paul Dooley, was making excuses about a C2 Corvette on his lot that wouldn't run because it hates gas. That car today, that could love gas, and it would be in a car show or higher bid in an auction. Yeah, who knew that? The movie was breaking away. Yeah, check it out. Tell your kid to go to a state school and learn a romantic language. Meet a great gal, have a great life. Vitamin K was a cereal back then, not a date rape drug. Uh, Cookies were yummy. And viruses got you sick, not a machine. Ecstasy was just that. And without that big rave party. Oxy was a detergent. Perks were a cool thing you got with the job. And stop signs were octagonal, like the drug, but kept you from an accident, instead of turning you into one. Design or anything came with prestige, and it had a label, not with a psychogenic persuasion. There was the aging LSD culture of Timothy Leary, but it wasn't cool, unlike PCP today. Spice was in the kitchen and not cooked to smoke. Even pot was becoming pathetic. Less than one half of today's potency. Oh yeah, and the movie Reefer Madness of the 30s is on its way to be legal. Medical marijuana? Kidding? Putting those two words together would sound as ridiculous as dispensaries and marijuana destination vacations. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. One generation. Demonstrated momentum. Remember, horses and wagons were the transportation of the masses at the beginning of the last century. It really wasn't that long ago. Trains didn't even cross the country until the 1870s. A boat ride from New York to San Francisco could take a month. That is if you made it. That was the era of Gen X father's father. Last century started with a thing called an automobile, a horseless carriage powered by an odd internal combustible engine, and that produced controlled explosions from a refined product of ancient, although they really didn't know it then, refined, redistilled, carbon-based remnants of plants millions of years old. And it was found in pools under the earth, mostly in Texas, Texas tea. Not really known in Saudi Arabia. That's where Lawrence of Arabia fought. And that that wasn't just in moving pictures. That was for real. Hollywood was not even a thought. Celebrities were authors. Think Twain. Artist. Think Monet. Drugs of today were in common items. Drugs of abuse were in soda by its name, Coca-Cola, and heroin was given to calm the nerves and the crying of babies. Freud thought that cocaine was a kick and enjoyed its use. The Civil War brought us the needle and syringe, but no one used IV drugs. Opium houses were open in San Francisco, and wealthy wives smoked it with other women in the parlor, and they smoked it into a fog. Early that century, the Harrison Narcotic Act, they cleaned it up 
and the country turned booze, at least until Prohibition. Now the mob had a revenue source, and organized crime took off in some, some of the big cities anyway. Chicago, New York, New Orleans, a few others. When dry became wet, the repeal of the act, the mob, they resisted the next natural place for revenue, and they didn't want to get into it. But they eventually got into narcotics. They succumbed to narcotics. Yeah, we had a world war, depression, slow recovery, and we were bombed at Pearl Harbor. By the end of World War II, we had leaped from biplanes to jets, and the Nazis had the V-2 rocket. Forty-five years from trains and horses, clumsy cars, to supersonic potential. Then Jaeger and reality. A hundred years, a scant hundred years before Jaeger and the near-space supersonic X-5, we hadn't even started the Civil War, and Lincoln was just a lawyer at that time. Washington, D.C., it still had farm animals roaming around, and the South depended on slavery for labor and its servitude. Boom! The atomic age is born. Hitler is dead. Europe is liberated. Japan surrenders. Now it's a new world. It's an atomic world. Hollywood was in its golden age, and somehow it survived McCarthy. Uh, history has now judged him as a hack. Elizabeth Taylor, Frank Sinatra, Bogey, mm, Reed, Jimmy Stewart, they're all A-listers. They were A-listers that really were, and the list goes on. Beep, beep, terror. Somehow Russia has orbited a satellite above the Earth. The now-dead atomic spies, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, they stole the secrets of the atomic bomb and betrayed America. It allowed Russia to develop the bomb horrors. Could they put it in space? Are we doomed? Where are we with the space stuff? We have Werner von from the Nazis in the V2 project. But we don't have a program to utilize him. There was a rush to get these rocket scientists. We got him. Werner von Braun. Could they uh, now put it in space? Are we doomed? Where, where are we with the space stuff? NASA. N-A-S-A. National Aeronautics and Space Administration. A presidential decree says we will put a man on the moon by the end of this decade. 60s. The seven astronauts. Mercury. Gemini. Saturn 3B. Saturn 5. The unforgettable Christmas orbit of the moon by Apollo 8. That should have taught us something about peace and humanity. But Vietnam intensified in its insanity. Woodstock was quickly forgotten, but the Who, Stones, and Beatles rocked on. We tried to get by with a little help from our friends. That's a lesson from Joe Cocker. But the Cold War raged. And... Peace seems so far away. 
We're in Gen X's mom and dad's life. Not really much out there. There's occasional weirdo on LSD, heroin for the for the losers. And this new concept of methadone is methadone clinics to treat addicts by pioneers. These pioneers were at Rockefeller University. Professor Marie Naswander and Janine Creek, along with Vincent Doyle, created programs only available for a very limited few. And law enforcement, they, they fought them every step of the way. It's just another problem for them. Of course, the problems weren't uh, too many deaths from heroin. And heroin then was relatively weak. But drug treatment was just to say no. How simple is that? I mean, come on, this is a moral thing, right? Just say no was immortalized by Nancy Reagan. But that's a fast forward. That's in the 80s, along with the Betty Ford Clinic. We're in the 60s. Neil Armstrong said his famous words. End of the 60s. Wasn't the exact script he intended. But it worked. We were on the moon, and his words were immortalized. The beep beep Sputnik didn't amount to much. The Russians lost that race, and we're eventually they're going to lose the arms race too. Now we're at the 70s. This is where we started. In 70 years, horses and trains, four wars, and then boom, the atomic bomb. The near end of the Earth because of it. Cuban Missile Crisis, remember that? Rock and roll, and eventually moon rocks. I guess we're still working on the point. All right, here's a question. What's big as an apartment, it's a good-sized apartment, costs a million bucks. All right, hint. It is compelling to millennials, so much so that a millennial will step in front of a car checking a text chasing after Pokemon. It's a Burroughs computer. Costs 10 cents a second to run. That's 25 cents in today's money. And it has the computing speed of a turtle. It's fed by punched cards. A cell phone is more powerful today. And a text or tweet can be seen across the globe in seconds. That phone can live feed a stream of your world anytime and notify an unlimited number of followers, Periscope, when you're on. You know, we take a thousand pictures, but never print a one, only to pass a few to social media. That's CyberLost, a pixel memory fail. New terms, cyberbully. Hashtag. What's a hashtag? Well, it was a pound sign. Well, it was a pound sign at one time. But now it trends. How does a pound sign trend? Entire companies exist to follow wants, likes, friends. I don't know. Can we, can we confuse it more? Dot com means weird names in real estate. There's this billion-dollar company called LinkedIn. No, it's Snapchat. Or Groupon. Or Instagram. Facebook. You know. Social platforms are social. Cyber noise with rare content of worth. This is expressive spam. Everyone gets a trophy. And now there are safe zones. Explain that to World War II vet. 
or for that reason or any reason, explain that to any vet. Why does this matter? Because we're evolving at a pace we can't keep up with. When our parents used to criticize the younger generation, a certain generation, they called them hippies or long hairs. We or they simply didn't identify. Now we have new names, Gen X, Millennials. All right, we are in a rip current, moving so fast it's tearing them from the firm ground. And some may drown in cyber speed. They must be corrected. Anonymity and sensitive communication is now faceless, and it has no soul. A text is easier than a conversation to have, even across a room. We are losing the very thing that makes us humans. Communication by spoken word, the meaningful expression of information, the tones of voice, the visual experience, and the cues, the physiologic response, good and bad, and the cultural feel. Communication is about the personal experience. It is active. It's multidimensional and requires a clear return action. This is hearing versus listening. The erosion of interactive expression creates isolation, a disconnect, loss of meaning to some. Others are empowered because those are no circumstances for their digital behavior. They have no consequences. These are the ingredients that addiction desires, a hijacked brain driven by dopamine and reward. Drugs do this best. Heroin is a front row seat. Cocaine, an instant cue and it's vile. Oxycodone, well, it gives me energy. I feel normal. I need my hydros. You mean mine? We live in a time that is unfiltered. Instant gratification has never been easier. The brain, it's never been exposed to the stimulus, the load of information we experience with the click of a mouse or the touch of a screen or a faceless message. The brain is not ready. We have few defenses to keep ourselves against the desire for this reward. Not much over a hundred years ago, we used Morse code to talk over a large distance and it was considered a wonder. Ask folks today what that was and they won't even know what you're talking about. The Titanic went down while Morse code was calling for help. Code today is very different. All right, this is truly a beautiful time. Wonder bounds. We travel great distances safely, cheap, and fast. We talk to the world with a swipe. We have access. So does the addict. A product of a dynamic time. Not the opium addict. The fiend of a previous century isn't this person. The addict of today is very different. Drugs are in their face, everywhere, and millions take them. They are here and now. Dopamine destruction. Who did this? No one did it. Get over it. No addict wanted to be this. It is not a moral failing. A brain in charge of executive function or not. Make this happen. Either we're ready for this or you were waiting. It happened. Get over it. The process of addiction is an evolution of brain function. 
and it can happen fast. From the first hit of meth or crack to the second oxycodone prescription, the doctor writes, that brain doesn't need much. When dopamine activates its receptors, the reward process begins. It comes from the primitive part of the brain behind the ears, past the nucleus accumbens and ventral tegmental area to the prefrontal cortex, screaming more, more, I need more. Triggers and cravings, they can occur in an instance. Once the brain has tasted the candy, it is hungry, driven by dopamine, transforming a logical brain to an emotional thinker. The addict operates on emotion, and those around pale to understand because they live in a logical world. Judgmental, unforgiving, without compassion. The addict faces a moral judgment because of a process that has taken completely over executive control and function. Emotional decisions fueled by dopamine cravings and reward often leads to flawed choices. It is powerful. Without exception, an addict needs help. The support of a group, the love of a, uh, a significant other, meditation, food, hygiene. Addiction affects the family and community. It knows no social, cultural, intellectual, or financial boundaries. Just like most diseases, it can take anyone, and it hijacks the brain, and it does it fast. All right, so what does a history lesson tell us about addiction? This is the concept of social velocity. Those were the good old days, or were they? Men and womankind have never had such a long life expectancy. Starvation, measles, and some cancers, they may be gone soon. We didn't even have effective antibiotics 75 years ago. Remember horse and train and fast forward a walk on the moon in one lifetime. Socialization, communication, technology, and distance are being conquered at an algebraic pace. Supply and demand can no longer be separated by a technicality. Access to drugs has never been greater. Not since before the Harrison Act of last century was the drug addiction process legal. Lots of pot smokers are addicts. We're soon to find an addiction. Marijuana will be the first medicine legalized by avoiding the FDA, avoiding the vetting of the scientific community, and it's given by a dose unknown. Our first legislative medicine. What's next? Club drugs? Coca tea? Social velocity is a process that avoids the inconvenience of discovery and validation. Values, gratification over reality, and social velocity. The I think it, therefore it is, is now a norm. That's the crowd. Moving from horses and trains to a moonwalk in three quarters of a century has no relationship to social gratification. A culture that allows drugs to be validated in society rather than by science values social velocity. It embraces it. Society starts to decay. The very convenience it created is its undoing. We are at the very edge of losing control of social velocity and the blurred lines it creates. Through media, fact, and fiction, these can be easily manipulated. Validation is becoming a lost concept. The gains humanity has realized the past century are at risk to be lost, and social velocity will destabilize our nuclear world. 
social velocity reacts to motion, like an addict. By definition, an addict continues to use despite harm, harm to body and harm to soul. Addiction requires help. So does the process of social velocity. First is recognizing, contemplation, and then action. Don't be surprised by a relapse. Expect it. Addiction is lifelong, a disease, and currently there is no cure. It is managed. The great leaders of the world realize this about social velocity. It needs to be managed. There will be problems in the world, skirmishes and disagreements, but each generation should get better at securing a safer world. That's what an addict is all about. Controlling the bad, the triggers, the craving, social exposure, whatever it is that will lead to self-destruction. Next time you meet or hear of an addict, yeah, just guess where we all could be. Help them by managing what they need most. Avoid encouraging emotional decisions. Not a moral failing, right? It's neurobiological. Help the world. Positive logic. Encourage discovery, a visionary experience in life and validation. Social velocity is very real, and it's with normalcy. This might be true. The universe started at the same moment. Big Bang, right? All matter. There must be many worlds that evolved such as ours. Why haven't we heard from them? Is it because they are at our point of evolution? Or is it possible that what existed was lost to social velocity? Let's not be one of them. And that's why.